This is Marco, and you are listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. Season Awards of the Yellow Wallpots. It's not New Year, New Me, because it's still old Stefan Butzko hosting the Yellow Wallpot for yet another week. And uh, with me, as always, Konstantin Eckner from Spielverlagerung. Hello, Konstantin. How are you doing? Hi, Stefan. I'm doing pretty much as always. So, pretty fine, I guess. How about you? Okay. I'm doing as well as always, too. We have heavy snow in Philly right now, so... um. It's cold. That's not cool because it's way warmer in Dortmund. I guess that will change once I'll return. And also here, Lars Polman from Bonn. How's the weather there, Lars? It's not as cool as it is in cold Philadelphia, but still not great, I guess. And you're, you're doing well and you feel ready to uh, give these very prestigious awards away now. Give them away? I don't know about that, but Uh, give, give them out I'd be inclined to do so as uh, All right. that's basically our duty for this episode is it now <laughs> alright um, sure. I, I guess I guess we'll just start and uh, this category was proposed by Lars Poyman because partially nobody else did farcically Stefan farcically yes thank you he put in parentheses because Lars was so nice as always to summarize the categories. So if your category suggestion did not make it through the uh, Lars Pullman filter, boohoo. So Lars, because uh, you were uh, the least lazy of all three of us, you can also start with the best player. I think I know the answer, but nevertheless, go ahead. Now, now I want to know who you think I'm going to pick, Stefan. Ah, it's tough. It's either going to be Roman Bürki or Mario Götze, but I think it's going to be the latter. That is correct. Um, I I did the simple thing and just looked at the grades I give out after every competitive match this season. And uh, Mario Götze happens to have the highest average grade of all players and also five matches with the highest grade, which would be, I guess, the yellow wall game ball if Dortmund had won most of these matches, which <laughs> which sadly they did not. Uh, Berkey actually has more of these games with the highest uh, single game grade, but he wasn't good enough in the Champions League, I felt, so I went with Mario Götze for best player of the half season. Yeah, I uh, agree with that. I actually did not go back to my player ratings because I think it's a little bit less oversightful to go on ESPN than uh, just, you know, look at all the tweets you did i think so um oh no stefan i i have a uh an intricate file for all my grades oh you i'm you, you i'm do a spreadsheet yeah because i'm that organized okay good for you constantine yeah so um since lars has chosen götze and uniformity is pretty boring i choose uh christian pulisic 
Do you care to elaborate for our American listeners especially? Yeah, um, Pulisic is good at this football thing. Oh, thanks. And also he will be president in 40 years. Well, considering that, you know... If the country, if anyone, the country still exists, of course. Yeah, we'll see about that. That's Sure. You know, depends on which kind of buttons are pushed within the next days and weeks, you know. I don't think so, but yeah, all right. So, so Pulisic for you is the uh, player of the mid-season. Yeah. Okay. But right. secret, but so, secretly, uh, I'm also a Gretzer fanboy, so. <laughs> oh, secretly, you just you just said it out loud. Uh, secretly and publicly at the same time. Okay. Interesting. I'm kind of ambivalent um, at this. Yeah. All right. Last. What was the best match that was uh, proposed by Emmett da Costa? Uh, did you give out your best player award, Stefan? Yeah, I. I gave it to Guts as well. Okay, uh, I did the same. Are you are you are, are you keeping track? To see Should who, I? Who in the end? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you, you just you started an Excel uh, document. So that's yeah. two for Guts and one basically not really, but what the heck for, for Pulisic. Pulisic? Okay, it's it's, it's a point five Pulisic, point five Guts. You know, very very good. That's how organized I am. I'm doing it on the fly. No problem. So so the thing is, we, we, we just voted our for the best player. And in the end of the show, we'll see who the best player is, right? <laughs> no, who got the most awards because we have some less than flattering categories, I guess. Which I don't think uh, Götze and Pulisic will be involved in too much. But who knows? I don't know what, what's going on in your crazy mind. Anyhow, to use one of the... Stefanisms, I guess. Uh, the best match was the next category, uh, I think you said. And I did the same thing as for the best player. I just looked at the average grades and uh, came out at the 6-1 win over Borussia Mönchengladbach, which also just was a lot of fun to watch. And, uh, but maybe not the best performance per se, if that makes sense, because uh, I felt like Gladbach with a bit more cohesion and uh, concentration on attack they could have scored maybe even the opener and then the entire game would have been different so i think the the best performance might actually have been the wolfsburg game the opener in the bundesliga yeah i feel like dieter hacking after the game said that this might as well uh could have could have easily ended five 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 or something like that so yeah um, which which yeah. was ridiculous if you look at expected goals because it was still a clear that Dortmund win but Gladbach had the first two or one of the first chances anyway so it could have gone in a different direction if I think Stindl and Raphael didn't direct their shots directly into uh, Roman Bürki's waiting arms yeah Konstantin what was the best match of the half season for you thus far uh, well not not based on a like Dortmund performance standpoint, but more on the entertainment one, I will go for uh, Dortmund Schalke, actually. The full four. Trama <laughs> of uh, November, I guess. November, yeah. That's a very very neutral stance to take here. I, I was also inclined to take that game because, you know, from a neutral's perspective, that is easily the best match of the of the entire season, not only just uh, Dortmund season. But you didn't. So I did. No, no. I, You're too late. Yeah. I'm, go ho I'm go sorry. home, Grandpa. Please. Okay. Yeah, I'm. I, I'm. I'm afraid I have to be boring because I also had the most fun watching uh, Dortmund destroy Gladbach. 
and we'll have more of that game I guess later within these awards. Um, I don't know. We we actually do not have the best performance uh, category here, but um, last you already mentioned the Wolfsburg match, Constantine. Uh, what was in your mind Dortmund's best performance over ninety minutes this season? Um, well, I um, I've uh, probably the Gladbach match. I think. It's really, it's really hard to to put your finger down. I mean, there are only a, a couple of matches, a few ma as a few matches you could pick, just because I mean Dortmund was only good uh, in in the first seven or so, um, bought Champions League. So, um, and I think Wolfsburg was more beaten uh, on you know on the basis of uh, individual quality, while um, there was more tactical. Um, superiority put into um, their win over Gladbach. So I think I would prefer Gladbach to uh, Wolfsburg, but whatever. I mean, it's just it's just not it's, well, it's it, just not the right Hinrunde, as we call it, uh, <laughs> to really um, discuss what is the best performance. Uh, we would rather discuss what was a good performance. All right, fair enough, as I always say. Um. I mean, the Gladbach game was the was the only time we actually saw Weigel, Götze, and the Hood on the field all at the same time over 90 minutes. I Hashtag think. midfield porn. Um, I might be wrong, of course. Um, I, I think Dortmund's game against Cologne also was uh, pretty good, but then again, it was against the worst team of the league by a margin. Anyway, goal of the half season. Lars... You can go first again while I still think about the many goals Dortmund had. Uh, I'm sorry, I just uh, you your feet went out, but I think it's about the and someone left us. Uh, it's about the goal of the half season, is it? Yes. Uh, that for me would be Mark Bartra's goal against Wolfsburg, both because it was a really nice curl shot from the left side, if you remember. And also because of what it meant to him after uh, both the bus attack uh, on Dortmund and the terrorist attack on his uh, adopted hometown, if you like, Barcelona, because of uh, both of those things. Uh, you could see, clearly see in the celebration when he uh, pointed his arm, which was still in a cast, uh, into the sky that it meant really quite a lot for him. And as I said, it was also a nice goal. So I'm going with Bartra against Wolfsburg. Yeah, it was definitely a very great curler, and I I think he he scored a similar goal against Bayern in the uh, Bundesliga match, didn't he? Yeah, but uh, that was more of a consolation uh, goal. Yeah, Whereas I think against Wolfsburg it was the two 0 was it? And I only remember Pulisic opened the scoring, but uh, it wasn't uh, you know a consolation goal or, or just for style points. All right, Konstantin, your goal of the Hinrunde. Uh, I don't have one. I don't care. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Dortmund at, at least have the very best attack in the Bundesliga. They scored 39 goals. So you ought to have thought of one. No. Okay. Well, then I will uh, nominate for Konstantin because he does not have a goal himself. I will nominate Yamolenko's goal against Tottenham. Objection. <laughs> Objection denied. <laughs> so, um, 
Maybe maybe step with... to the bench. Judge. What what's wrong with that goal? I I don't know. It's just it's scored by Yamolenko and he has sucked as of so. late. So that doesn't take away Objection. from the beautiful goal. All right, whatever. Uh, last. You're a horrible judge. I don't judge. know what you want to write down. <laughs> I'm, I'm just beyond caring at this point. I'm just gonna go with Christian Pulisic's oh, now goal you're against Hoffenheim. Now you are beyond caring, but I mean, I don't care about the goal of the hinder in the Euro. Like you're you're judging me. It's 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 a pretty Constantine. It's a tyrant you system, you know. Enough. Hmm? You had enough time to pick a goal. I even sent you a link to Yamolenko's goal on YouTube. I suggested. But, but I didn't bother was, was watching. To you. Well, then that's all your fault. Or you can just simply use your elephant brain and uh, try to reminisce in Dortmund's Hinrunde what we're all trying to do here and pick a goal that you liked. Maybe Nuri Shahin's banger against, I think, Hertha it was. You know, Dortmund scored a couple of nice goals. But uh, yeah, your ignorance... It's very insulting to me and the listeners and Lars also. If, like Constantine, you don't remember any good goals, uh, the <laughs> club were so nice to put out a video on their YouTube channel of all uh, Dortmund's goals uh, in the Hinrunde from uh, across all competitions as well. So there are a couple of nice goals in there, even though Constantine doesn't remember or give a damn about them. I mean, of course, the Anywho. club puts out a video with all the good goals. And, I mean, they should put out a video with all the goals he conceded. <laughs> Why? Why should the club do that? What's the what's the gain in that? Uh, self-awareness. Because sure that's, that's, that's what people uh, get on YouTube. Self-awareness and and uh, reflect on their mistakes and i mean youtube is really don't touch the topic okay we don't want to hate on youtube <laughs> we don't we want to hate on uh, dortmund's performance all right i i'm actually not a hater today also um it's good to know that Konstantin Ekner was enlightened by youtube comments and um again i nominate christian pulisic's goal against hoffenheim not only because uh his first touch over the keeper and then the finish was uh, brilliant, but also because it put Dortmund back on third place and uh, was a very important win um, that uh, yeah, made the uh, table after 17 match days look much, much better than uh, yeah, it could have been overall, considering they got gone. How many months? Was it two or three? I can't even remember without a win. Two and a half. So that was pretty bad. So Christian Pulisic, that was a tremendous goal, and you get my vote. And I guess with that, we can move on to most improved player. And I also would nominate Christian Pulisic for that, because I thought he uh, yeah, improved quite significantly over the last six months or so. And uh, became all the more integral for Dortmund while the likes of Usman Dembele were gone and uh, Marco Reus was injured. And uh, yeah, Pulisic for quite some time actually carried the team a little bit with his skills uh, as Dortmund were very reliant on individual brilliance in way too many games. So um, yeah. Lars, what's your most improved player? 
while Constantine maybe uh, still tries to find. I'm check. One. I'm checking the uh, roster list. Yeah. Well, after you've now chastised Constantine for two minutes uh, about not having a real answer, I'm going to abstain from abstaining my vote, which I was actually planning to do because my argument was that not a single player improved under Peter Bosch and actually probably he made players worse. Uh, but since that's not uh, well received by the host of this show, <laughs> I guess uh, I... No, you can make that point. No, no, it's fair, yeah, but I've, I actually I've made think the point Pulisic and, improved. Yeah, and, and I would say that Pulisic was pretty bad throughout October and November himself. So anyhow, uh, I'm going to go by default with Mario Götze because he wasn't really available much for last season. And, ah, and, and he was really good. And, you know, uh, he probably, uh, in, in this regard, profits from uh, missing a few of the really, really bad games through injury. So uh, my vote, reluctantly as it is, goes to Mario Götze. Funnily enough, the, the last time I thought about this category, I actually had Götze in my mind. So I should have written it down, but uh, Politik is also a good shot. So, Konstantin? Uh, Maxi Philip. Okay. Thought he was not not as good uh, at Freiburg as he uh, was recently, when he was fit, okay. not on the injury list. That's a very good shot. But yeah, he has improved. I think he surprised a lot of people because he is more versatile. He did than he uh, first appeared to be. Okay, this category was proposed by Champagne of Tweets, and he wants to know the best Cheers. creative player, Konstantin. Uh, Mario Götze, I think. If you look at the cre uh, so-called creative department, uh, I mean, you can either choose Götze or Kagawa, and I would say, um, just on a you know from a creativity standpoint, Götze is a little has a little bit the edge over the um, Japanese one. So um, yeah, I would I would take Götze there. Yeah, I'm I'm siding with you, although Kagawa really did have a very strong finish to his season or half season rather last. Yeah, I'm actually going with Kagawa because I think Götz has been more of an all-round presence for Dortmund, whereas Kagawa's strengths in this half-season really light uh, closer to the opponent's goal, even though last week we discussed uh, that his numbers aren't that impressive. But especially in the last few games, as you just mentioned, Stefan, uh, I think Kagawa carried Dortmund's attack. So uh, maybe it's recency bias, but my vote goes to uh, Kagawa here. Yeah, that's exactly the, tr the the bias that I try to uh, <laughs> not consider, which is why I I sided with Götze. Um, what it's it's really interesting that uh, you know Kagawa, as as we said, the stats didn't quite re resemble his performances. But the the sad part is that they should have, because you know how many how many of his assists were missed. It's probably three or four in the last couple of games alone, so um, not counting the Bayern match. So yeah, that has flashbacks of, of uh, Dortmund's poor counter-attacking. Anywho, um, best bench player slash 12-man award, also by Champagne of Tweets, Lars. I kind of felt like there weren't too many contributions of the bench uh, in terms of scoring. I don't really remember someone coming off the bench and making a, a huge impact. I, I might have 
forgotten about a, a goal or here uh, or two, but uh, I, because of that, went in a different direction. I'm actually going to give my vote to Dan Axel Zagadou, uh, more of the 12th man than the bench player. I actually added the 12th man part here uh, because... Uh, for a young player who's only making his first steps in senior football, Zagadou has done really well, especially when uh, in a injury crisis he had to play on the left side and he held his own uh, surprisingly much so after uh, looking very much out of his depths in the Super Cup against Bayern. So, uh, And at centre-back, Zagadou hasn't really gotten too many opportunities and there was this sending off against Hannover which was kind of unlucky uh, but you know for still an 18 year old who only turned 18 three months uh, three weeks uh, before joining Dortmund I think Zagadou has done uh, really quite well and I, I, I never get uh, any thoughts of Dortmund being in danger when Zagadou has to come on during a game for example so that's a pretty good Resume, I guess, for the first half season of an 18-year-old. So, Zagadoulis. Konstantin? Uh, Shinji Kagawa. Actually, I checked the um, stats and I saw that Kagawa had like seven substitutions um, over the course of the Hinrunde of the first half season. And uh, I think Dan Axel Zagadou uh, had like six or so. But yeah, that these were the... like um, players who had the most uh, substitutions who came off the bench the most and I thought like, Kagawa did quite well for himself and for the team uh, considering everything that was going on and so I would uh, choose Kagawa but um, as loss I have the same um, like the same feeling that um, there wasn't really one bench player one super sub or so I know it's no, no one really was like the the 12th or 13th man who always came in and uh, did something to help the team. I mean, there isn't one. Uh, as of late, it, was, it has been Dahoud a little bit, but, um, I mean, he he doesn't really deserve the best bench, bench player, the, the prestigious best bench player slash 12th men's award. So, um, yeah, I will I will give it to Kagawa. More, more as a lifetime achievement, I guess. <laughs> Well, the, the the question here really is: Did Kagawa actually do much when he came off the bench? I don't know. It's just I checked. <laughs> or was he just subbed on? I, I mean, I mean, uh, who uh, else? You know, uh, like. Yeah, that that that's that's I guess a very valid point there, and uh, you know, like for most of the categories, yeah. Who else? If 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 I think of uh, substitutions. And and Zagadou, there's just the one substitution that really, really went wrong, and that was in the Devier Derby where he was, I don't know, put on as left back something with the argument that uh, Bosch wanted to have more aerial dominance or something like that. I don't, I don't, I don't remember. But uh, you yeah. you get caught up on the on the sub thing, which is which is what I predicted in my mind, and that's why I added the. 12 men thing so you don't have to go with someone who was subbed and great but ah, can also you mean the yellow wall no oh. uh, can also choose someone who's not a regular starter but had to fill in or you know something along those lines to make some sense of the category well 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 usually this this category is reserved for the likes of Gonzalo Castro so but he actually featured too 
two of Nassar. So I'm just going to decide with Constantine and nominate Shinji Kagawa, although Z Zagadu is a very close second in my picture. So biggest surprise. There we have it, the next category uh, proposed by Steve Berkowitz. And uh, to me... Um, hmm. Well, well, I actually didn't think about it, but I, I think Maximilian Philipp. I mean, you guys can also, I don't know, say your biggest surprise in a negative sense. Whatever you want last. Well, I, I do have a, a player written down uh, since we are keeping a tally of who gets the most votes. And uh, that surprise player is going to be Zagadou for me. Uh, as I said, watching him in the Super Cup against Bayern, thought he uh, he struggled too badly for him to be a factor in the Bundesliga early on at left back. But he did quite well, uh, especially, I think, against Hertha. Uh, he was uh, among the best players on the pitch, actually. And, and also in the uh, Cup match against Magdeburg at centre-back, he did really well. So for, a, again, an 18-year-old, that's rather impressive. But actually, the, I was the most surprised that Dortmund started so well. Uh, under Peter Bosch because <laughs> they were downright terrible in the uh, preseason and <clears throat> sorry in the Super Cup, but I guess that's the one saving grace of of, so, of so, Peter's so the five clean sheets. <laughs> yeah, uh, may, that and and just generally, I think that's kind of the saving grace of Peter Bosch's tenure at Dortmund. That at least he was uh, clever in his uh, approach in preseason and had the players ready to overpower their opponents early on in the campaign. I mean, we now know that that didn't hold up till the end of the half season, but at least at the start of the campaign, I think Dortmund really uh, profited from uh, Bosch's approach to training and fitness and, and those things. Yeah, we're currently seeing that uh, players actually train twice a day now during the training camp under Peter Sugar, but more on that in the next episode. Meanwhile, uh, Constantine, what was the biggest surprise for you? Um, yeah, I, I want also uh, to nominate Danakse Zagadou. Okay. Then uh, what was the biggest mistake, Constantine? Um, I think the first goal Dortmund conceded against uh, Stuttgart. When uh, involving Batra and Burki, and then a goal scored by Shadra Akolo. Okay. Lars, will you also nominate an individual moment, or do you have something bigger, picturesque in mind? Uh, combining the last two categories, I don't think anybody will consider it a surprise if my biggest mistake is selling Don Mikel Merino on the cheap, <laughs> which is something Dortmund will regret for years on end, uh, especially when in two or three seasons he's a 40 million signing for, I don't know, some rich club in England or Spain. Uh, and also when Dortmund will need to sign a defensive midfielder themselves uh, because either Weigel is going to leave or Shahin's body is just going to continue to break down. So... Uh, they'll probably need a new number six uh, relatively soon. Uh, and I, I, I'll give part of the blame also to Merino himself because he just wasn't patient enough. But 
for Dortmund to sell him. I mean, they 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 made a profit on the transfer on the whole, but I mean, uh, Dortmund aren't a bank, and they should rather have banked on the player's potential than uh, a few quick bucks. So that's my uh, biggest, not mine, but my my biggest regret, Dortmund's biggest mistake. Let's put it that way. Okay. All right. Here's my biggest mistake, and I don't know if it, if it's before the season or at the start of the season, but um, I remember how Dortmund found their new coach. And uh, if we all remember, it was more or less Peter Sugar, although he was still at Cologne and not really in the mix. Those were the names floating around, Stuger, Favre and Peter Bosch. And I do believe that a club should have a certain philosophy and then hire a coach according to that philosophy. But, uh, you know, if you compare those three names, I don't really see any parallels in, in footballing philosophy stark enough to really, you know, see the club dictating a philosophy rather than uh, having a coach to dictate that. Uh, maybe that's because someone like Julian Nagelsmann or so was not available at that point. But be that as it may, I lack... Uh, I, I see a lack of, of direction from uh, the very top and, uh, you know, that to me looked a bit confused and to me, hence the biggest mistake was that lack of direction. And uh, I don't want to say Peter Bosch because, um, you know, at the time didn't look like the worst decision. Uh, you know, hindsight, of course, is always twenty twenty, but uh, yeah, lack, lack of direction to me is the biggest mistake. And with that, we come to the disappointment of the year, proposed by Emmett de Acosta again. Constantine, what was the biggest disappointment of the year? Uh, the Bosch sacking. Elaborate, please. It's, dis what, it's disappointing what, what, that he's gone. I wanted him to do better, to do uh, well at uh, Dortmund, and it didn't work out, and uh, now he's gone, and everything is horrible, and that's disappointing, and that's uh, the disappointment of the year. Last. Well, the only disappointing thing for me in the Bosch sacking was that it came so late in the year and not when it was apparent uh, that it needed to be done. But uh, my actual biggest disappointment of the half season uh, in a landslide, I would say, are Dortmund's Champions League performances and especially the two matches against Upwell because those were a fucking joke. Yeah, it's really hard to 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 argue against it, Lars, because just amassing two points in the Champions League with a team that has experience and after you know in, in the last season and I, I said that after I think the first game against Tottenham or was it against Real Madrid where you know, finally, you know, after the Europa League season and then the Champions League season with Thomas Tuchel, I finally, uh, I finally had that feeling that Dortmund had gained that maturity that they lacked in their first two or three Europe, yeah, first two European campaigns under Jurgen Klopp, and um, you know, I I actually was was quite pleased that they finally had a more conservative approach and that it was not like as suicidal because in the Champions League of you know, it's it's more important to minimize errors. And then you saw Dortmund completely changed under Bosch and r run 
into the open knife time and time again. So yes, I, I guess the Champions League campaign is the biggest disappointment. Although I gotta say, coming uh, throwing away throwing away a four goal lead is also a very big disappointment in a Riviera derby. I'm not going to lie that that I think f for a s single game that was the biggest disappointment. But uh, yeah, the cha Champions League season overall is a big disappointment. Though, in hindsight, I actually do not think that Dortmund would have uh, made it to the round of 16 either way. So, um, yeah, there's that. So, after all this uh, mistakes and disappointment, what's the best reason for hope? Asks Steve Berkowitz. Konstantin, what's the best reason for hope? That despite uh, dropping the ball badly uh, throughout the months of November and October and November, I guess, um, that Dortmund is still third in the league, so that's the best reason for hope. It, it's, if it gets a little bit better, they can still uh, finish as the one-up, and uh, yeah. Mo most of the, most of the things that, that went, went wrong are forgotten, although I'm not a fan of that, because um, there are some deeper underlying issues. Um... That has to be solved, but yeah, just for for the for the sake of, um, for, for the for the good of the fan soul, uh, as it's often called, um, it, it's probably better to finish ahead of Schalke. Okay, for the for the uh, sake of diversity, I will not say because everyone else is also shit, <laughs> which is a very good point, though. Uh, I would say Marco Royce. Uh, and of course Mario Götze. Um those two I mean Götze was wasn't injured too much, but uh you know, this is a dynamic too, and if they come mid February, March, April, you know, if if my hope is that they start clicking again and uh yeah, so far what was it? I looked it up once, it was around ninety two or ninety three minutes or so uh of uh, total time on the pitch together since Götze joined uh, or rejoined Dortmund. Um, so my hope is uh, more or less on that winning combination of Götze and Royce somehow teaming up together in midfield. And uh, yeah, overall, that should give Dortmund a very big boost. Lars, do you have a third reason for hope? No, but I'm going to cut my uh, reasons for hope in three and give uh, 0.33333 points to Mario Götze, Marco Reus and Lukas Piszczek's return to fitness. Uh, you talked about the first two and I think we've seen quite clearly that Dortmund don't have a real answer for the right back position when Piszczek isn't available. Uh, he's been out since start of October, I think, since that international break. And uh, whether it's cause or coincidence, Probably more of the latter, but still Dortmund were pretty bad from the moment they missed him. So getting him back, not having to play Tolian or Bartra out of position all the time uh, should be a big boost to the team, as well as obviously uh, Royce returning for the two and a half matches he's going to be uh, be healthy for, or <laughs> Götze for the two and a half months he's going to be healthy for. So as I said, uh, a third of a point for all three of those guys. Well, the encouraging part is that Jeremy Toyan actually did not look half bad under Stöger in those two games or three games. So, um, you know, even if Pischek 
you know, needs the rest, which he most definitely will at the age of 32. And uh, being, I guess, still injury-prone, as uh, Dortmund's fullbacks traditionally are. Greetings to Marcel Schmelzer, who's recovering from a calf injury right now. Um, then, uh, yeah, here's to hope that Jeremy Tolian will uh, do a better job under Sugar than he did under Bosch altogether. So, um, <laughs> with uh, all the hope, we can go to the Ginterest moment of the season so far, proposed by Zach Summers. Lars? I will preface this with saying that Ginter has been really good for Gladbach, uh, playing in a couple of roles, scoring important goals and whatever, but we all remember what Zach meant with uh, Ginter-esque moments, and that is uh, foolhardy errors that are very hard to explain and I'm coming back to the moment that uh, Konstantin had already mentioned the whatever the hell was he even trying to do back pass off Mark Bartra that hit Oman Birki unprepared in his shin and went to uh, Shadrach Akolo of Stuttgart and allowed him to score the opener in a Friday evening match which was kind of important for Peter Bosch at the point uh, in time uh, and the goal came after five minutes and half of the fans weren't even in the stadium yet so that was pretty pretty Ginter-esque in my opinion Konstantin? Yeah so I mean I didn't really know what to make of the category uh, itself but <laughs> I mean we, we already had like the biggest mistake thing going on um, so I don't think we have to repeat that, but um, one key charac uh, characteristics uh, of the of the entire Ginter stint at Dortmund was that uh, he made a few mistakes, mostly unnoticed, which is which is why uh, then criticism towards uh, Ginter was um, sometimes or often met with um, I don't know with surprise by a lot of fans. Um, so I would like to nominate for the uh, Ginter Award uh, Nuri Shahin, actually. Um, but particularly <laughs> um, Nuri Shahin ahead of the um, of the corner kick that led to Schalke's fourth goal to the equalizer in the, uh, during the Rio Derby, uh, because he didn't uh, do what he was supposed to do and he had the chance to um, avoid the uh, corner kick. He didn't. Um, Schalke scored, and it was a 4-4 at the end. Uh, disappointing one. It felt like a defeat. Um, but uh, of because, because Shine was the uh, quote-unquote leader of the team, uh, no one really criticized him for uh, anything he did uh, wrong um, during the second half of the match. Uh, where I think um, there's something um, distinctively wrong uh, with how Shine is perceived often. Um, so, yeah. That's why I will. I would like to nominate uh, Shine for the Ginter Award. You know, um, I actually nominate Matthias Ginter for the Ginter Award because uh, that's who I am. Uh, because he played that very fine assist to, I think it was the Hoot in Dortmund's 6-1 win over Gladbach, where Matthias Ginter indeed looked uh, not very good at least twice. And uh, yeah, more or less had, had assist or an assist or a pre-assist, I can't remember, but... Uh, yeah, that was classic Ginter right there. And um, wasn't the uh, the assist actually Jonas Hofmann heading it on the foot of Julian Weigel, and then he scored in the Bundesliga for the first time? <laughs> Something like that. But that was Jonas um, Hofmann. 
That's that's the Hofmann Award, a special one. But uh, Jonas, Ho no, no, Jonas no. Hofmann Awards are only given out for lifetime disachievements. Um, so Adam Losek, for was instance. Was it Hofmann? I, I thought I thought it was Ginter, to be honest. But um, yeah, if 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 not, then Jonas Hofmann gets the Ginter Award. I don't care at this point. And who of the two um, gets the Darwin Award? <laughs> but uh, you know. <laughs> Um, Constantine, yeah. to pick up on on what you just said, maybe we should get give out the very bad perception awards, and in that category, I actually would also nominate Nui Shahin for um, I don't know how many times was it once or twice or thrice even where he raised his arms uh, to signal offside when the opponent was still in his own half running toward goal. It certainly happened uh, when Leverkusen scored that goal with Kevin Folland, and I'm pretty sure there were another couple of incidents um so um yeah that's a complete lack of awareness and uh perception so that goes to nori shine i don't know Lars, if you want to uh come up with another nomination for my spontaneous award or if uh we should knock it on the head is it the uh, a lack of uh perception by by a player or a wrong perception about a player Either way, because can go I, either way. I, like Constantine, I think what people think of Nuri Shahin at times can be a bit curious because he's not a very good player at this point and also because his departure for Real Madrid uh, two weeks after saying the fans would know how he decides and that was clearly an indication that he was going to stay at that time. <laughs> uh, well, not to me. I, I knew he was going at this point, so he, he was right. <laughs> Nevertheless, uh, I just don't really like the the uh, how how he's revered uh, despite his lack of quality performances over the last three years or so. Uh, but I'm actually going to go with uh, Socrates, who is, in my opinion, apart from Shine, the most overrated player in Dortmund squad because people actually think he's one of the best defenders in the Bundesliga, and uh, I would say he's probably the third best defender in Dortmund's team. So, uh, or let's say the third best center back because he's probably a bit better in defending than Mark Bartra, but not at much else which defines center back. So, uh, Socrates for me. Okay, fair enough. So, Lars, um, with your spreadsheet, where are we at right now? Because I think we just uh, kept off all the categories we had. Uh, we are. I'm going uh, from zero to hero here. Uh, Lukas Piszczek amassed a total of one third of a vote. Props to him. <laughs> Jonas Hofmann and Matthias Ginter shared Stefan's Ginter Award points, so they both have half a point. Marco Reus comes in at uh, 0.83 points. <laughs> a very very strong showing from Mark with having not played a single game I mean that's something the the sacking of Peter Bosch has as many points as the appointment of Peter Bosch which is <laughs> only fitting Don Michele Merino has to show up on their list obviously he has one point just as well as uh, Yamolenko even though that wasn't really a Yamolenko point because you gave it out for Constantine but <laughs> doesn't really matter. Socrates uh, has one point, uh, as does Roman Burki, because I gave him like half a point for the Akolo goal twice, uh, even though that's largely down to Batra, but uh, 
you know, for 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 the heck of it, I just gave him half a point too. Uh, the sad state of the Bundesliga uh, or the Bundesliga table comes in at 1.5 points. <laughs> as does the Revier Derby uh, Dortmund, gegen, uh, Dortmund against Schalke. Even though I, I think I might have missed actually like a half a point for that, but it doesn't really matter. Uh, the poor performances in the Champions League also come in at 1.5 points. Nuri Shahin, uh, two negative points, I guess, but they are still counting. So he has two points, as does Dortmund 6-1 win over Gladbach, uh, as does also Mark Bartra and Maximilian Philipp. Uh, now we come to the podium, if you like. the It's actually four guys, but they two of them share the third spot, and that is Shinji Kagawa and Dan Axel Zagadou. They both have three points. Second place, but first in the hearts of 300 million Americans is one Christian Pulisic with 3.5 points. And the winner of, I guess, the Yellow Wallpot Mid-Season Award, or I don't know how, the, the Mega Award, whatever it is called. <laughs> not the Mega Award, please. No, it's not making America great again, but Mario Götze might make Dortmund great again in the second half of the season. He tops our ranking with 6.3 points. So, congratulations, Mario. So, the Mago Award. Yeah. I mean, obviously, he's listening to us basically live as soon as Stefan opens it up, uh, or uploads it, rather. I know Mario, probably still in Marbella in the training camp, will will listen to, to us after 45 minutes announce him as the winner of the Yellow Wall podcast mega award of the half season which is by far the greatest honor he's ever going to receive despite having scored a winning goal in a world cup final so props to you mario <laughs> yeah that's that's all i guess for this episode thank you Lars, for uh keeping the tally clean and uh counting it all in a correct way i'm sure that's uh there are no points missing or added. Konstantin, also thank you for um, nominating almost in every category. That was amazing. And uh, yeah, I guess you'll hear from us three, or at least some of us, next week before Dortmund play against Wolfsburg to open the Rückrunde. So last, without any further ado, you can... Please tell all beautiful listeners and fall like yeah, the ugly ones too <laughs> before uh, anything else. Where they can find your Twitter handle or how they can find your Twitter handle. I nominate my Twitter account for the third best at least of all people on this show right now. Uh, and people can find it and judge for themselves at Lars Polman. Konstantin? cc underscore e-c-k-n-e-r at I always think that uh, you, you start your Twitter handle in Spanish but then I remember it's, ah cc it's a, uh, underscore uh, it's, uh, it's yeah. more like Italian but no that would be chi chi actually but uh, it sounded like Italian accent what I just did that was the problem not the actual wording the problem was the accent it wasn't quite anyway, it wasn't quite the Spanish Pep Guardiola <laughs> English speaking accent. 
Yeah, you want to plug anything Pep Guardiola related while you brought it up? I don't know what you're talking about. Ah, so you mean like the incredibly uh, well-crafted, extensive analysis, an analytical piece uh, of Manchester City? Yeah, uh, we've just published one. Um, 10,000 words on Pep Guardiola and Manchester City. Uh, myself and Austin Reynolds, who is a great analyst from the United States. Uh, we watched Manchester City games extensively and uh, intensively, and you can check it out uh, on spielverlagerung.com. And also Spielverlagerung, which which is a German term, actually, there's, there's some funny stuff going on, on I think, on Reddit, um, that most people lo uh, love the, uh, the term Spielverlagerung because they can't really pronounce it properly. It's like if you want to if you want to sound smart in philosophy, you use something um, French. Yeah, you can find me as well on Twitter at Stefan Bosco. If you want to get in touch with all of us, do that please. Also via Twitter at Yellowpod is our Twitter handle, and uh, yeah, otherwise check out our written content on Yellowpod.com. Subscribe to our show on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. And uh, yeah, if you want to support us financially, which is always very well uh, appreciated, you can go on patreon.com slash the yellow wall. And uh, yeah, that's all for us from now until next week. Goodbye.